GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, Agribition moves into day four today with a special partnership between Agribition and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. CEO Sean Kindop will tell us about it. The Geldvi cattle breed is celebrating the 50th anniversary of its first arrival in Canada. And uh, that was a big event at Agribition this week. And we'll hear from Vern Davidson of Davidson Geldvi near Pontex, who spoke this morning about the Geldvi show and sale. An Australian cattleman has some good words to say about Canadian Western Agribition in Regina. Jeremy Walsh from New South Wales will speak to us also about Agribition. And the Prairie Oat Growers Association 25th Annual Conference is being held in Saskatoon today. One of the guest speakers was Jonathan Dreger, the Vice President of Left Field Commodity Research, and he provided an oat market outlook. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio is looking to buy your canola. Call them today at 306-272-6284. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your Remax Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. With Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. And Phil, you were predicting some flurries and we have them. Can we expect this to continue for the course of the day? Yeah, looking around in the immediate term, this is pretty much it. There's not a whole lot happening right now. Uh, south of Regina, there is some snow. And actually, we're going to see uh, this quick shot of snow passing to the south. We're expecting the uh, heavier stuff through the day to actually flare up to our north as it uh, a bunch of snow slides uh, eastward across the province through the afternoon. Not much there either. We're seeing the expansion of this activity through the day. And the storm that's producing it all is still in its development stage, and that's why we're not seeing a uh, massive uh, rapid development of snow. But it is starting to expand. The um, stuff to the north is going to work its way through and out, and I think uh, many of the areas that we're thinking are going to get uh, the highest accumulation is going to be a pretty quick hit, which means uh, only in the heaviest snow will get those higher totals. Most of us are going to be on the low side today, but uh, we are going to see some snow. We're just going to be producing some accumulation. The storm, as I mentioned, continues to intensify, and as it does, even though the core of the surface storm gets pulled southward a bit, more toward the central U.S., there's still plenty of upper-level energy and that's what's helping to keep the snow going around here. And that's also what's going to mean accumulations are going to be fairly variable because we're really on the fringes of the snow. The heaviest stuff I do think will get into uh, parts of Saskatchewan tonight in southwestern Manitoba as well, but mainly along, maybe just north of the Trans-Canada. Might make it into even uh, Esterhazier areas similar to that, but not much further north, and even that is questionable for just how far that steadier snow is going to get. So we are going to get some snow, and by later on tonight, the wind is going to pick back up through the afternoon. It's coming down, so not a whole lot of wind this afternoon. But accumulations 
from these mostly light flurries. It's cold. The snow is fluffy, and it could produce a couple of centimeters. Those will be localized accumulation. I'm watching uh, a little bit of uh, flare-up of snow just passing northwest of Yorkton right now, uh, and that will uh, be one of those pockets that gets us those accumulating snowfalls. Tonight, we all get some accumulation. Two to four, in, uh, two to four centimeters Yorkton north, uh, four to seven centimeters Esterhazy south to the Trans-Canada. Uh, south of there, and especially south of the border, we're going to see some significantly higher totals from this storm. Minus 21 the low tonight, wind chill in the minus 30s. Temperatures this afternoon, a little below normal, but with the wind coming down, not that far below normal that it's uh, brutally cold. Flurries ease up tomorrow. Most of the accumulation is over with by morning. Uh, we drop through the day. We don't see any temperature rise uh, and also a gusty wind making that wind chill at minus 32 in the morning feel comfortable compared to the minus 35 in the afternoon, both getting into the dangerous territory, especially Friday night, because the wind comes down a bit, but not enough. The wind chill still between minus 35 and minus 40 as we drop to minus 26 Friday night with a clearing sky, though. Sunshine on Saturday, minus 15. Will likely rise a bit at night, up to minus 10 on Sunday. Some flurries developing and uh, flurries on Monday, too, with a high of minus 20. And these uh, disturbances, each one taps into some cold air, and each one between it, it doesn't have a chance to recover to normal, and that's why we've got this cold snap. And that uh, area of flurries Monday brings in yet another one into next week. That's Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. Temperatures around the region this hour. The Paw is at minus 22, Swan River minus 18, Dauphin and Brandon minus 13, Show Lake Russell minus 14, Roblin minus 16. Regina and Indian Head are at minus 12, Saskatoon minus 24, Hudson Bay minus 20, Broadview Mooseman minus 13, Winyard Wadena Kelvington minus 15. The Yorkton Melville region has some light snow, an east wind at 15 kilometers an hour. 80% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 14 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 22 degrees. Yesterday, Yorkton reached a high of minus 15 degrees and dropped to a low of minus 22 degrees. There was no precipitation recorded in the 24-hour period ending at midnight last night. The normal high for this date is minus 8. The normal low is minus 17. The sun rose in Yorkton at 8.32 this morning and it will set at 4.46 this afternoon. Extreme temperatures for Manitoba and Saskatchewan yesterday. The Manitoba hot spot was Great Falls at minus 6 degrees. The cold spot, Tadouli Lake, at minus 35 degrees. The Saskatchewan hot spot yesterday was Maple Creek at minus 7 degrees. The cold spot was Key Lake at minus 44 degrees. And that's a look at your agriculture weather. It's time now to check in once again with Tanya Cherry. Thank you, Doug. I am in Mooseman today. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. Agribition moves into day four today with a special partnership between Agribition and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. CEO Sean Kindop says the partnership will provide admission to more than 500 displaced Ukrainians and newcomers to attend Agribition this year. We're excited to partner with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders to be able to bring in newcomers and displaced Ukrainians, especially to uh, to show like Agribition. So it's, we really appreciate them uh, them working with us and being able to provide this to them. 
He hopes the gesture makes the new immigrants feel welcome to Saskatchewan. Yeah, it's, again, Agribition is a huge part of this province and a huge part of this city. And, uh, again, I can't imagine what they're going through. So uh, we wanted to be able to bring all of them to be her, majority of them to, to be able to be together um, and for us to be able to give them a bit of an Agribition welcome and a welcome to Regina and uh, yeah, get, the, uh, get them a little bit of normalcy. Kindop explains the selection process. Uh, we'd worked with the government, we'd worked with, uh, with the university as well to be able to, to reach out and go, hey, we've got some seats and they, they had worked with us to go. We've, we've spread out to our network to be able to, uh, the first 500 that were, that were able and students and families. And so we didn't want to just limit it. So if you were, if you were new to Canada or new to uh, Regina or coming in from Ukraine, we wanted uh, a massive part of Agribition is being a host and we're built on the people. So we wanted to ensure that we could welcome them uh, Agribition style. He says Saskatchewan is much like Ukraine in many ways. Yeah, absolutely. So we wanted to try and give them a bit of a, a, bit of a taste of home and introduce them to what Agribition is all about. Gindop says there's a number of events planned for Agribition today. We have a ton of livestock show and sales. We've got the International Stock Dog Competition, and then we've got night two of the rodeo. So it's jam-packed again, and we can't wait to get going on night four. He adds that some actors from the television show Yellowstone will be at Agribition. Yeah, it's fantastic. We, uh, they're going to be coming to the rodeo tonight. Um, I, I got a chance to meet both of them last night as I picked the one gentleman up from the airport at 2.30 this morning after almost a 24-hour travel day. So I can confirm that they are very excited to meet everybody. They want to shake some hands, take some pictures. And they said they didn't come all this way to not have a good time. So it's going to be a great evening. Kindop says tickets are still available for the meet and greet. Yeah, you can just go on our website for the meet and greet opportunities. Or if you're wanting to try and just come and see them at the rodeo, there are tickets available for uh, for tonight's performance. So either option. Agribition continues today and wraps up Saturday. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program. And that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94 Ag Review. Saskatchewan Pulse Growers, also known as SPG, has announced the newest members to their board of directors following the close of the election period yesterday. Two board members are new, and SPG retains an existing director for another term. New to the SPG board are Robin Henry of Hodgeville and Stuart Lawrence from Rosetown. SPG welcomes back Brad Blackwell from Dinsmore, who was re-elected. The newly elected members will join SPG's board in January of 2023, following SPG's annual general meeting. There were 2,592 votes cast by 1,050 ballots in this year's election. Nearly all votes were received through the online voting platform. The final vote results were Robin Henry with 712, Brad Blackwell with 612, Stuart Lawrence with 560, Donald Gaudette with 452, and John Bumback with 256. Ahead of the crop production report from Statistics Canada due out tomorrow, trade expectations are above and below what the federal agency estimated in September. In August and in September, StatScan issued production reports based on a satellite model and without any input from farmers filling out surveys. That has caused some consternation in the trade, with analysts and traders having difficulty at arriving at their own projections. 
Canola projections collected by Markets Farm were 18.6 million to 19.7 million metric tons, compared to StatScan's current estimate of 19.1 million. Markets Farm Pro Analyst Mike Jubinville stressed StatScan's previous yield average was a touch too high given the southern Alberta and western Saskatchewan drought areas. However, on the high side was Errol Anderson of ProMarket Communications at 19.5 million metric tons, noting his number had been the average trade estimate going into the previous StatsCan report. The ice futures canola market traded with a certain range for the week ended Wednesday, but one trader believes that wide crush margins will take prices over the psychological resistance level. Since nearly hitting the $900 per metric ton mark on November 15th, the January canola contract declined for eight straight sessions before going as low as $803.50 per metric ton on Monday. The price then recovered, but not as high as $850. While Chicago soy oil dropped three U.S. cents per pound in the span of a half hour yesterday, hindering canola's upward movement, Soy oil later recouped most of its losses in the session. Ken Ball of PI Financial in Winnipeg says canola is slowly starting to recover some of its value against the oil and meal values. He says the crush spreads have been astoundingly wide and they've been ridiculously fueled by speculative trade. Corteva is making a major move to expand its biological crop input business announcing an agreement to purchase Stoller Group, one of the largest biological companies in the agriculture industry. The company says the $1.2 billion U.S. deal reinforces Corteva's commitment to providing farmers with biological tools that complement evolving farming practices and help them meet changing market expectations. Stoller, which is based in Houston, Texas, has operations in more than 60 countries, with 2022 revenue forecast to exceed $400 million U.S. In Canada, Stoller Enterprises' head office is located in Regina. The company's products include BioForge Advanced Seed Treatment and Excite, a plant growth hormone product that's marketed for reducing heat blast at crop flowering. The deal is expected to be completed in the first half of 2023, following regulatory approvals and the usual closing conditions. And that's the Ag Review portion of our program. Let's head back out now once again to Tanya Cherry. Thank you, Doug. We are spending the day in Mooseman today for Moonlight. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. Some light snow and minus 14 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at 1 o'clock. The Gelbvie cattle breed is celebrating the 50th anniversary of its arrival in Canada. Vern Davidson of Davidson Gelbvie near Pontex spoke at Canadian Western Agribition this morning. Well, basically, we uh, picked Agribition to, to celebrate the 50th anniversary. It's a, it's a showcase of, the, of Canada, so we figured we might also bring it to the best place to show off our cattle, bring as many people in and international people that we possibly can to come and see what's going on. He says the Gelb V show and sale was held yesterday at Agribition. 
It went very well. Uh, grand champion bull was Slayton Livestock. Reserve was uh, Royal Western from Airdrie, Alberta. And then the female, so Royal Western had female. And then uh, Leisurewood, Gelby from Washington had uh, had the reserve grand champion female. And uh, it's kind of nice when you start getting American exhibitors coming up here. They used to always go to Denver, but they say Canada's closer. So they're, they're come up here last year and they come up again this year. So it's kind of thrilled it. And we also got um, international people in. We got uh, a couple in from Mexico. And uh, her father is actually the Gilby, uh, president of Gilby Association from Mexico. So uh, I was going to try to get them up here this morning, but I just couldn't catch up with them. Davidson says the Gelby breed has been good to him. The breed's been awfully good to us, I'll say that. We uh, we bought our first cow in 85, and uh, from there they put us around the world. We've sold genetics basically to every country there is out there. And so it's, it's one of these breeds that if you really put your heart and soul into it, it really does good for everybody. He notes this year's Gelby show saw more cattle than last year. Last year, I think we had about 50 head, and this year we had just a little weighty. So it, it was up. You know, it, it, since COVID, it's pretty hard to get people back to town. And But we've got quite a few new breeders coming in, which is nice to see. A lot of youth in the, in the barn that is really excited about the program. So that's what we really need. There's a lot of people falling out in the cattle industry. And if we can keep on dragging new young people in, it's it's pretty exciting. Today, uh, the man's has. Uh, has a, their own little junior show. They've, they've been in the other day, but any kid who wants a show has has the opportunity to come in, and we sponsor a thousand dollars prize money for for the show and to make just trying to get the youth into the program. Davidson says their sale goes tonight. The sales tonight over to Royal Executive. It's uh, just a video sale. We have a banquet tonight and, and awards and presentations, and then we're going to have a sale afterwards. He explains why the sale is by video. Well, the biggest thing is they only have a few lots, and we're trying to keep our expenses in line. And by uh, the live cattle are here, and then they've got some picks and stuff. So it's pretty hard to, you know, it's just one of those things, just trying to keep keep expenses in line a little bit. Davidson expects to see more video sales in the future. I think maybe, because a lot of people will maybe give embryos and stuff like that. And at, at, at one point in time, exhibition used to always have live lots. And, and now things are changing a certain amount. It's just more frozen lots, more picks, and it's just, it's, everything's changing. Technology's come about. People from around the world can watch us. It's going to be on DLMS. And so it was one of those things you have a video sale, and, and every, still the rest of the world sees this, the video of these cattle, and it can make it work. And it's a lot easier. Easier for it's hard to get enough people here at Agabish. Vern Davidson of Pontex is a Gelvy breeder. It's time now for the livestock market conditions and their presentation of Heartland Livestock in Yorkton. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for February are trading at 155.52, down 15. April live cattle trading at 159.32, up 5. January feeder cattle trading at 181.17, up 70. March feeder cattle trading at 184.12, up 67. February lean hogs trading at 89.05, up 370. April lean hogs trading at 93.95, up 330. And that's the livestock market conditions. Now it's time for the Heartland Livestock Report from Yorkton.
Good afternoon. This is Yorkton Heartland Livestock Market Report for the week of November 30th. Actually, a good run here considering we had poor weather conditions in our area. 1,625 in the short, 275 cows and bulls, a total of 1,900 for the day. Cows and bulls selling under pressure to lower. D1, D2 cows, 74 to 84. D3 cows, 64 to 74. The best cow walking was a 1,700-pound cow that hit 86 cents. Cows are averaging 74.50. Good bulls, 114 to 124. Sales to 128. The bulls are averaging 112. On to the pre-sort sale. These calves selling strong. These good calves are selling strong. These plain and medium type cattle selling lower. On the steer side, 400 pound black steers, 296. 500 pound tan steers, 294. 575 pound steers, 289. 650s at 266. My favorite pen, 710 pound tan steers, 253. 800 pounders, 246. And 850 pound steers, 240. On the heifer side, 425 pound heifers, 250. 500-pound tan heifers, 265. 575-pound heifers, 228. 650-pound red-black exotic heifers, 216. 710s at 208. And 800-pound heifers, 203. And the highlight of the morning for me, these big yearling heifers, 1,185 pounds, topped out at 180. Comes out to $2,135. They're selling really well right now. This Friday, December 2nd, bread cow bread heifer sale, expecting 300 breads, consisting of three complete herd dispersals. Cinder Ravages of Roblin, Petuskas of Esterhazy, Gabriel of Roxton, and more smaller consignments. The sale starts at 11 o'clock and will be on DLMS. That's it for this week at Heartland Yorkton. I'm Harvey Exner. Have a good day. It's time now to check in once again with Tanya Cherry. Thank you, Doug. Borderland Co-op Liquor Store is where we are right now and where you can come tonight. Morgan, the assistant manager, is joining me right now. And Morgan, you guys have a great way to kick off Moonlight Madness. Yeah, we're having a taste testing from 5 to 8 of the rum chata peppermint bark. And it's a cream liqueur. It's said to be pretty good so come on down and try it out yeah it sounds delicious so you can come on in and you have something new too with uh, a brand new vodka in store yeah we have a new vodka from minhas they collabed with gene simmons and it's called money bag vodka you can come down and grab a case or a box of it and enter to win some signed merchandise by gene simmons that is fun. All right. So come on in today. Make sure that this is your first stop for Moonlight Madness. Come on in. Try that delicious rum chata, the taste testing from 5 to 8, and then get all your other shopping done tonight. We are celebrating the best way possible, right? It's Moonlight Madness in Mooseman. We're getting all of our Christmas shopping done, and you can definitely do that right here at the Borderline Co-op Liquor Store. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. An Australian cattleman has some good words to say about Canadian Western Agribition in Regina. Jeremy Walsh from New South Wales says it's a world-class event and he hopes to purchase some Canadian genetics. He spoke at Agribition this morning. I think it's the place everybody in the world should be at the moment. Um, uh, I know people that have been over here before and um, and have told us about it uh, back home in Australia and it certainly exceeds any expectations. It's a uh, an event um, that's world class, absolutely world class. Um, it's uh, great, the Canadian people are great. Um, everything exceeded my expectations, that's for sure. He says Agribition is bigger and better than anything in Australia. 
Agribition is certainly next level. Uh, the preparation of the livestock uh, is absolutely world class. I don't think you'd go anywhere else in the world to see how people fit their cattle. Um, for me, mainly, I'm in the cattle industry, and the uh, the time and the energy spent in some of these cattle in preparing their hair for judging and all that, it, it is absolutely uh, top notch. You won't see any better in the world. Walsh explains what he does for a living in Australia. And put it, and back in Australia, I'm a rancher, I suppose, or a, we call it a farmer. So we produce uh, beef cattle um, on a family operation. We've got about 400 head of cattle. Uh, we also have uh, sheep. So um, this event, you know, I mean, I thought I was coming over to have a look at cattle and I knew that there were cattle here, but to see the heavy horse display and the pull was uh, out of this world. Um, the ranch dog, uh, it's just phenomenal. Like, uh, as you say, I think we're up to day four, but where the last three days gone, I'm not too sure. It's just been exciting from eight o'clock in the morning till eight o'clock at night. It's absolutely world-class event. He says he's travelled to international farm shows before. I've been to a few, and um, this one would far exceed it. You know, the hospitality here for international guests, um, the communication, um, the networks that we open up, uh, the CWA staff have been phenomenal. It's just, uh, for an international visitor, um, you're treated like royalty. So um, I thank them for that. Walsh raises limousine cattle, so he's checking out the genetics at Agribition. The judging is this morning. I've been through the uh, barns or the sheds here and had a look. We've actually got Canadian genetics on the ground at the moment. We imported some uh, Canadian embryos um, back to Australia and they seem to suit our operation. Uh, the calves are about 12 months old at the moment and um, will be going into our show circuit. Uh, so I look to... Uh, the, 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 the ranchers or the farmers here are just so lovely, do you know what I mean? Like they're inviting to go to any place, but I hope to take some more genetics home from from this event for sure. He explains why he raises limousine cattle. Our breed is, uh, we've got Black Angus as well, but uh, limousine stud, uh, we do it, we go into a lot of she uh, steer competitions, so um, I'm not too sure what it is called here, like a market steer, I think it is um, here. Um, in Australia they have a big competition um, and it's pretty prestigious and we need like that muscle and that softness and all that to uh, carry through, but um, limousine I suppose I've inherited that breed and will continue it on, so yeah. Walsh says limousine cattle often win carcass competitions in Australia. Yeah, exactly. In Australia, they're pretty dominant, like winning um, from coast to coast, um, limousine or uh, part limousine content in, in, in the breed. So um, as horses for courses, I know there was like 1,100 odd uh, stud cattle here um, entered, but it's just great to see the barns full uh, and the level. Uh, it's out of this world how they prepare the cattle here, and, and um, it's a credit to all the Canadian ranchers and the people involved. He admits Australia has had drought conditions in recent years. Yeah, we, we've um, uh, had a significant drought um, for the last three or four years. We're on the other end of it, and I say to those people that are in drought in Canada, hold on, there is light at the end of the tunnel and um, there is hope. Uh, we're having a phenomenal season at the moment with our beef and our commodity at all-time record price, like our bread cows, $4,500, uh, lambs, $300. Um, it's phenomenal on the other end of the drought. So I say to anybody that's doing it tough out there in drought conditions and all that, sort of stuff hold on there is light at the end of the tunnel um, and um, take care of yourself I know that um, farmers are pretty resilient but it takes a hell of a toll on you um, the drought and any um, thing do you know what I mean but stay is to stay with it and ride it out 
Walsh says he has his eye on some cattle at Agribition. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. There's something here for everybody. It's just amazing the uh, the uh, scope and the scale of the show itself. Do you know what I mean? Like talking to exhibitors, the the uh, machinery is out of this world, like to go through and, and all that sort of stuff. But um, I hope to um, look at the uh, see the judging today of our breed and a few other breeds and see what walks out and see something that strikes us. Jeremy Walsh is a rancher from New South Wales in Australia and he's at Canadian Western Agribition in Regina. It's time now for the Commodities Update, and that's a presentation of Hackman Feeds. Commodities Update. Canola futures are trading down across the board this hour. January canola trading at 8.2720, down $18.30. March canola trading at 8.25.20, down $18.60. March Minneapolis wheat trading at 9.36 and three quarters, down six and a quarter cents. March Kansas City wheat trading at 8.91 per bushel, down eight and three quarters of a cent. March Chicago wheat trading at 7.85 per bushel, down ten and a half cents. March corn trading at 6.59 and three quarters, down seven and a quarter cents. January soybeans trading at 14.25 and a half, down 44 cents. December and make that March oats trading at 3.78 per bushel, down seven and three quarters of a cent. And that's the commodities update. Please stay tuned. GX and Agriculture will be back right after this. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. The Prairie Oat Growers Association 25th Annual Conference is being held in Saskatoon today. One of the guest speakers was Jonathan Dreger, the Vice President of Leftfield Commodity Research. He provided an oat market outlook. You know, you had the short crop last year and, and just extreme prices to the upside. And of course, as you harvest a larger crop, you know, markets respond accordingly. So we have seen a bit of an increase in prices, you know, sort of dip from those harvest lows. And so I think they're leveling off here a little bit. But again, you know, kind of off the lows that we saw in harvest and, you know, leveling out, probably trading in a little bit of a range. Still a pretty high price historically, to be quite honest. Maybe it doesn't feel that way when oats are five bucks instead of, you know, 11 last year, whatever it is. But again, from a historical perspective, you know, that's still a pretty decent price for oats. He thinks some oat producers are hanging on to their inventory in the hopes of higher prices. Yeah, we do believe that farmers will probably be reasonably tight holders. I, I think in the sense that I, I don't think they'll chase the market lower. So I, I think there's an element that if prices suddenly pull back, I suspect they're probably, you know, farmers will be content to be patient. And so I, maybe that helps put in a little bit of a floor. But again, you know, I think there is a lot of oats that are sitting on farm just because we had a larger harvest. And so there's a certain point where maybe prices certainly aren't what they were last year, but pretty good historically. And so there maybe be steady sellers if the bids are, are reasonable. And so I, that's kind of how we maybe view it here going forward. Dreger says there's some positive factors that might help oat prices in the coming months. 
Yeah, you know, one of the things that we've been tracking is, you know, I think oats are relatively cheap, say, compared to U.S. values, maybe compared to some other grains, whether it's corn or, or feed barley and so forth. And I, I think all those things maybe help encourage a little bit more usage. And so is that enough to drive oats, you know, way higher? We, we don't think so. But at a minimum, maybe if oats are reasonably competitive compared to maybe other destinations or other grains, maybe that just helps encourage kind of chewing through the stockpile a little bit, uh, helps put a little bit of a floor in and under the market. And if we get a little bit more demand, that gets drawn out by oats being competitively priced uh, maybe it prevents you know kind of this big stockpile backing up at the end of the season going into the next harvest so we'll carry more oats over for sure the crop is larger but uh, I don't think there's going to be a big mountain of it or anything like that and, and so that too is, is uh, helps put a bit of a floor into the market anyway. He expects feed corn to be imported into Canada again this winter. We're going to certainly see a lot of corn come in again this year, but not what we did last year is, is maybe the, the best way to put it. Of course, last year we had this huge deficit of feed grains for barley and feed wheat and, and oats and everything else. And so corn was brought in to, to try and fill that gap. There is corn that is coming from the U.S. again this year. It'll be more than what we normally would do, but not as large as last year. So uh, within that, I, you know, I, I think oats is still going to be reasonably competitively priced. It's going to encourage some usage around the margins, but it is one of those factors that maybe then puts a bit of a ceiling as well. If oats goes up too much in price, it gets suddenly priced out of those markets and, and you start crimping off some usage and there's a bit of a, a self-correcting that would take place. So, you know, kind of, again, lends our view to maybe sort of a, a stable market, maybe a little bit of firmness, but can't get too far ahead of itself, then suddenly it prices its, its way out of some of those end uses as well. Dreger says a number of countries besides the United States will be purchasing oats from Canada. One of the things I think we'll maybe see is is hopefully regaining some market share into Mexico, for example. I mean, of course, you know, we just didn't have the supplies last year, and so we weren't able to export as much there as, as maybe we did the year prior. And so Australia has been filling some of that demand. Maybe we can get some of that market share back into Mexico, maybe into Japan as well, hopefully a couple other Latin American countries. Uh, the U.S. is by far the most important market, but if we have the ability to compete and regain some market share into some of these other destinations, you know, again, it's just one more thing that maybe helps kind of whittle that supply down a little bit. But he expects Canadian oat producers will see some competition from one other oat exporting country. Australia would be the one that we would compete a little bit more directly with in, in some of the markets in Asia and, and Mexico. It looks like their crop will be not as big as the previous couple of years, but historically still on the larger side. And so we'll certainly still need to compete to regain some of that market share, but they won't be shipping maybe as much as they as they have in, in the past. Their crop will be down a little bit. So that would be, be the primary one. Uh, as we look, say, for example, in you know Sweden and, and Finland, sometimes we'll compete in export markets. You know, they had fairly average production. I, the overall overall feed grain market in Europe is pretty tight. So I think that's keeping some of those oats at home rather than maybe moving into some markets where we'd end up competing with them. And Dreger has this message for producers who have a lot of oats on their farm. Probably how I would view it is uh, be maybe, I don't know, realistic is the right word in terms of price expectations. You don't think oats are going to be going to, you know, 7 or $8 or, or anything like that. At the same time, we don't think there's a great deal of downside. So probably I would be opportunistic if you've got a local buyer that's offering a reasonable price, maybe in a deferred window, you get a little bit of carry in the market. Probably good opportunities to maybe lighten the load a little bit. Don't think you need to maybe chase the market lower if suddenly the market tapers off. I think if we see a pullback, it should maybe recover. But also, so, uh, you know, there are a lot of votes around, and, and so don't maybe be too greedy is maybe the right way to phrase it. Jonathan Dreger, the vice president of Left Field Commodity Research, provided an oat market outlook at the Prairie Oat Growers Association annual conference in Saskatoon this morning. 
It's time now for your agriculture weather, and that's a presentation of Yorkton Ag and Auto Supply. The GX94 Precision Weather Forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. A snowfall warning remains in effect. An 80% chance of flurries with 2 to 3 centimeters possible. Winds southeast at 15 to 30 and a high of minus 11. For tonight, an 80% chance of flurries with another 2 to 4 centimeters. Winds north-northwest at 15 to 25, a low of minus 21, a wind chill of minus 32. For tomorrow, a 30% chance of early flurries, then mainly sunny. Winds northwest at 15 to 30 and gusting higher. The temperature steady near minus 21 and perhaps falling, a wind chill of minus 35. For Saturday, sunny. Winds southwest at 15 to 25 and a high of minus 15. For Sunday, turning cloudy with a 40% chance of flurries, a high of minus 10. And Monday, a 30% chance of flurries and a high of minus 20. In the Paw, it's minus 22 degrees. Swan River, minus 18. Dauphin and Brandon, minus 13. Show Lake Russell, minus 14. Roblin, minus 16. Regina and Indian Head reporting it at minus 12. Saskatoon, minus 24. Hudson Bay, minus 20. Broadview Mooseman, minus 13. Winyard Wadena Kelvington, minus 15. The Yorkton Melville region has some light snow, an east wind at 15 kilometers an hour. 80% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 14 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 22 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. CJGX Yorkton, a Harvard Media radio station serving Saskatchewan and Manitoba. We are GX94.